We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Swagger from the corner. Yes! And the foul! Is he having himself an afternoon? Swagger feeling his third three already. On the drive goes Patty Casey for the basket. <laughs> Backdoor cut Swider with the jam. This is Swider in close. And one. Welcome back to the Swider Show, episode number 43. And we have a we have a guest. No, 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 wait, wait. Patty Casey's back. Patty Casey's back this week um, out in Bethany Beach, and he's looking like a true podcaster right now in, in his background. Yeah, so. much anticipated return. If you're on uh, YouTube, you can see me sitting on the couch just chilling. This is the point we're at. We're 43 episodes in. I just feel so comfortable doing this. I felt like uh, the background should have reflected that. So, um, But, no, the real reason is my family's here. I don't have any desk set up. So uh, just making this work this is where I work from home all day, just grinding. Um yeah, now I'm continuing to work from home. With oh, you're my, making uh, it work. Finished up my my side gig for the day. Now now the real deal starts. So, <laughs> but uh, you're making it work. no. First of all, I I appreciate you guys holding it down last week. I didn't. I'll be truthful. I didn't get to listen to the entire episode. But uh, the reason I shut it off midway is because I do think Adam's better than me at at uh, asking questions and being a co-host. So I was getting a little pissed <laughs> off. <laughs> Hey, no! Shout out Adam for a, a big, a big week. Um, he he stepped up. He stepped out of the bullpen and and, and pitched a great game. So, coach, yeah. shout out to Adam. I'm gonna be the first one to ever say this in sports. I think he Wally pipped me. But wow. the people are saying it's a good reference. That's a good one. <laughs> I think I think I threw a good five innings. I would I wouldn't say it was a complete game, but I did a good enough job last week. I think. Listen. The mailbag questions, they kind of tee up, but I have been there. I've been in that scenario before. I've been in that seat. It does get a little overwhelming. You're like, Swider's answering, so you're trying to respond and like be present with what he's saying, but then you're like, I don't know when when the best time to transition to the next question is. I don't know what the best next question is. Um, so, yeah, it's a tough job. It's one of the tougher jobs in the world, being the co-host on a mailbag episode. So good, good work, Lewis. One thing I will say about Adam, he is genuinely interested in every single answer, and then he's just thinking of just just – Questions after yeah. questions that, that come after. So, shout out to Adam, man. Yeah, phenomenal job. But, uh, Twitter, how goes it, man? I haven't talked to you in two weeks on the pod. I know we've been uh, texting and stuff, but how's Miami? No, it's been going well, man. Can't complain. Um, it's been a great experience. Like I told Adam last week, the Miami Heat culture is like a real deal thing. You know what I mean? Like, just, just from – you talk about 
guys coming coming in here working hard, working out four times a day, like it, it's it's real. Like from the top down, like you have a guy like Bam Adebayo working out four times a day. You have Jimmy coming in here working out. You have Duncan working out three four times a day. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Like when you have the the top of your team working out you, to the to the last guy, it just it just creates like an unbelievable culture that that culminates throughout the whole entire thing. And mm-hmm. then Pat Riley's in the gym almost every single day. The GM um, is in the gym every single day. The assistant GM's in the gym every single day. Watching the E10 guys who they might never bring up on the team, but they're really giving a look to. So it's been a great experience so far. Um, really excited for the opportunities that are coming that are coming uh, forward. And I think they're going to give me a real shot to prove what I can do. Mm-hmm. Wait, can we stay on that? How do you do four workouts in a day? Like, what are you doing for the third and fourth workout? So I asked Bam. I was like, four workouts a day. Like, what what does that entail? So he's like, I wake up in the morning. I wake up in the morning, six a.m. I, I do a basketball workout. Seven thirty, I lift. I come back at ten, do a workout, um, do another work- basketball workout, and then I come back at seven p.m. and do and then shoot. I'm like, wow, that's oh that's God. impressive, bro. That's impressive. That is crazy. He's like, he's like, you, you talk about a guy like Kobe Bryant being able to do five workouts a day. Your body just kind of like a, adapts to it. And in my mind, I'm like, bro, this guy is crazy. But I mean, if you think about it, when you do start at six a.m., you, you give yourself a more of a more mm-hmm. of a window to, to kind of work out. But it's still really impressive, man. I, I, it sounds uh, like he's packing it all in before lunchtime. Now, if your third workout's <laughs> at ten a.m., it's like you got the rest of the day, and then you go back and shoot. Yeah, no. It's, it's impressive, though. It's impressive, though. He, he's a worker. Uh, I'll give him credit. And also, he's just a great guy. Uh, I, I said this story on the podcast last week. I don't know if you heard this, but uh, I brought one of my managers, one of the managers that we had at Syracuse, Zach Pascal, into the into the gym. And uh, he's a and big Fitzy Miami Heat well. fan. Yeah, and Fitzy. But um, specifically Zach, because one night that I brought Zach and Bam was shooting, shooting out there as well. Um, he was asking Zach about the Syracuse zone, like made him feel super special. So just having like a guy like that at the top of your roster, top of your organization, who takes the time out of his day to, to actually like ask questions to like a little Miami Heat fan, a Syracuse manager, you know what I mean? Like it just shows yeah. the kind of people and the organization that, that you're dealing with in Miami. He should have went to Cuse. He would have been maybe the best anchor of the zone of all time. He said, I, I always wanted to go to Syracuse to play the 2-3 zone. I was like, man. Kentucky, Kentucky's probably a tough place to turn down, but the Cuse would have welcomed you with open arms. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Wait, why didn't he go? Do we not hit him I, up? There, he I don't had know. to have been well, recruited. 
One thing, one thing I've talked about to primarily bigs about Syracuse that we haven't had a lot of one and done bigs. So that, like Tristan Thompson said the same exact thing. He's like, man, I like Syracuse, but they never had like a one and done big. Like the, mm. the best big that we we kind of had NBA wise, obviously Fab Mello, but Raheem Christmas was kind of the guy that that everyone like looked to. Like he was a second round pick, but besides that, mm. we haven't had a lot of like. Hopefully Jesse in the, in the future, but we haven't had a lot of like bigs who've gotten drafted besides. Obviously, um, Derek Coleman back in the day, who's the number one pick. Yeah, but to your point, Jesse's even another example. I feel like it's mainly because of the zone. Like when you're playing center, it's so hard, it's so intricate coming out of high school that it definitely takes a year or two to actually like understand the whole the whole concept of it. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shea Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shea Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dom- Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina Wine Mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Yeah, for sure. And then it, it's it's one of those things where I think Bayheim is is he's never really had besides t- like there's there's been a couple guys who've kind of broken the code, but he's he's one of those old school coaches who do, doesn't really play a freshman. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Tyler Ennis, he was one of those one and done guys. But even like a guy like Deion Wade is number four pick in the draft. He still spent two years at Syracuse. Mike Carter Williams, first round pick, two years at Syracuse, right? Mm-hmm. Like O'Shea Brissett, like he ended up spending two years at Syracuse. Like all these guys. Um, it's not really like a one and done school. Not not I, I bet not for any reason. I coach I bet Coach Bayham wanted those one and done guys towards the end, but right. um it just never panned out in the cards for um those Yeah, it's just a different culture. Yeah. Yeah, it's like you gotta earn your playing time more so than other places. Cause like if you get a five star at I don't know, name in random school and Edwards at Georgia, you can't like yeah. have him earn a spot, you know what I mean? Because then it's like your seat might get hot. But Bayheim's like Listen, man, I'm more proven than anyone on my team, so like he's gonna have to prove to me that he belongs on the court. Exactly. Um, but yeah, any other uh, workout stories? Not to get into specifics, but it, it, is the actual workout much different than LA? No, it is a lot different. It is a lot different. I, I, I think I keep on saying like there's not a lot of NBA teams that work on defense in the summer, right? It's a lot of offensive skill development, and even at Syracuse and Villanova, like I, I feel like the summers are mostly offensive skill development, and then when you once you right. get to the fall, that's when you go those those two three hour practices really get into your defensive concepts. But in the NBA, like you don't really have time. You have a, a week and a half training camp to kind of get into everything that you do. And for for young guys like like me and, and some of the other guys, I mean, you don't really have a lot of time to learn those concepts. So they've been doing a great job of breaking down the offense and the defensive concepts and the philosophies that go behind some of the la- language. Um, so that's a lot different. Um, we, we get to play live twice a week, play three on three on Tuesday, five on five on Thursday, which is pretty wow. pretty normal, pretty regular, which, yeah. is, which is nice. Um, but, yeah, I would say 
in LA it was a lot more individualized, and with the Heat, it's it's a mm-hmm. lot more team team based. So we, we all the E10s work out together, the two ways and the young guys work out together. Um, they're going live like a lot throughout those workouts. Like if that's one on one, if that's two on two, if that's breaking down a defensive drill, and, and you go live in those in those certain moments. If if that's mm-hmm. zigzag drills, like if Pat Riley's in the building, we're we're, we're doing defense. You know what I mean? You're doing that, like that, old school, like slide to the elbow, turn around, slide to half court. No way. Yeah, yeah. There's like I'm sure there's there's some younger Swider Shell fans listening. There's like eight year olds that are gonna do that at their local ball camp this weekend. Yep. Like at the the Buddy Beheim, Jimmy Beheim camp, they were probably doing that last week. No, Buddy and Jimmy aren't, aren't doing any defense. <laughs> oh, that's camp. a good point. That's a good point. <laughs> that's a great. They're not point. doing any de- just shooting shooting drills and have fun. Right. Yeah. But my point is, I mean, that's like people view that as an elementary thing, but the guys that just uh, laced them up in the NBA Finals are still doing that in August. Yeah, no, I mean, honestly, for me, I, I, I kept on telling my agent, Nico, like it's it's been great for me to kind of like just keep on learning and keep on working on those things because it's, it's kind of on you if it's, if the team doesn't do it to, to work on those things. So it's been great to kind of have the team, team and myself, like things that I need to work on, things that they want to work on, they kind of align. So it's, it's been good. Yeah. What about the uh, you mentioned the language before? Is that is that the same throughout like each team, or is there like individualized stuff for each? Yeah, I would say most of the language is pretty universal, but there uh-huh. there are some differences, right? So like, for example, like when the universal call in the NBA for switches is, is red. So um, with the Heat, they is just there say a switch. Reason for that, or they just say that? Oh, the Heat say I don't switch. Know. Okay. The the Heat just say switch. Um, with, with with a lot of these NBA teams, they say red. But red at Villanova was when you fronted the post. You're yelling red so the person on the backside could come in and try and get a deflection, mm-hmm. right? So every single team has, has a little bit different language. I would say most of the teams, like in terms of actions, right, like like pistol is a is a step up on, on the on the strong side um, while everyone's kind of like out, like all the other three players are spaced out on, on the wing, slot, and corner, right? So... Mm-hmm. Um, that's a certain action. Um, like th- there's certain actions that everyone kind of knows. Um, but when, when it comes to um, language, like I would say that there is some some different languages, right? Like like drop coverage is, is different on every team. What they call it, the Lakers we call yeah. it center. Um, some teams just just yell drop. Um, like the Heat have a certain coverage where um, they they just call it they just call it different things. Like they call it like a zone type of thing right um and then like there's certain hedge calls that are different right they, they, some teams call it a show some teams call it a hedge some teams call it a uh a, a blitz a get out and get will. back yeah a, a, bl- a blitz is m- more of a universal call too a blitz is when you yeah. kind of trap the guy so um so yeah no I, I, it's, it's all pretty similar and at the end of the day yeah. if, if you if you say one of the things that like if you say like a call that that another team said like usually the Everyone knows and like, It'll oh no, no, we call it. that we call that something else. Yeah. Oh, okay. I guess that question also you'll probably be able to answer better in like a month when you start doing more like five on five stuff in training camp. Yeah, but, definitely. Um, you, you mentioned uh, Nova slash Q Summers. I've actually been meaning to ask you this on the pod. Do you have like a do you have a good story from uh, like summer pickup at Nova or Q's? Off the top of the head, this is like putting you on the spot, but. I don't know if we've ever discussed this before. I know we have with guests. I remember Colin bringing something up. Yeah. But um, I don't know. Those are those are some of like the best like tidbits because it's behind the scenes. 
So every single summer we have this thing called uh, Summer Jam at Villanova, right? And uh, summer Summer Jam is usually like when, so you, like the alumni come back and and you you they play golf in the morning, and then all the guys who are in the NBA are playing pro overseas. They play against the team like in the afternoon around like three four p.m. So that's like a big day for us because it's the first time we're kind of playing together as a team. And then you get to play against all these NBA guys who played at Nova who all know what it is. And it's so funny because the contrasting styles, like all these guys are just like hooping, chilling, you know what I mean? And then we're like mm-hmm. diving, on, diving on loose balls. We're freaking like calling out plays. Like Coach Wright and all the coaches are like really like looking at it like, like this is like a big deal. So it, it's funny because then then it turns into something serious because the, the older guys, the NBA guys, don't want to lose to a bunch of college kids. Right. So my first summer jam, I I forget. I, I don't. Colin was out. I think JQ wasn't there. Um, and I don't know if Phil. I don't think Phil was playing either. So it was like Eric Pascal, me, Dada, Jermaine, uh, Joe Cremo, like a, a bunch of these guys, right? So and, this is uh, going into your freshman year? This is going into my freshman year. Okay. And I remember um, I played really well. I was hitting a bunch of shots. I was, like, dunking, like, all over the place. I, I was feeling really? really, athletic. Yeah, I was oh, throwing it down. the hoops at nine foot? I mean, it felt like it that day, <laughs> right? And I remember it came down to the end of, like, the last game. I think we were playing, like, best of five. It was 2-2. I was out on the court, and – Josh Josh Hart had an ISO on me at, at the top of the key, so he he was kind of holding it at this time. Like Josh just came off a good rookie year with the, with the Lakers, um, he might have just got traded, or He's been it might have been his second second year out. It might have been his second yeah. year out. He might have just got traded to the Pelicans. Pelicans. So at this time, I mean, what, what's been the story for me? I can't guard an ISO. Blah blah blah. So I remember, I remember he got into the basket. I stayed in front of him, locked him up. He took a step back. He missed. We came down. We scored. We won, and uh, and we won three two. And, and that, that was like a that was obviously like a great time. But like, mm-hmm. it's so cool. Like every single year you play against those guys. Um, yeah. So so yeah, that's that's probably one of the best stories in, in terms that's of a pickup. Great story. I I was not expecting a defense story. I'll be honest with you. Yeah. Yeah, defense. There it goes. Josh Hart. uh, I will say the most impressive summer I've ever seen from a a player, like, was that summer that Colin had, his sophomore going into junior year summer. Yeah. That was unbelievable. Like, we we had a day where Jalen Brunson, I think, like, and Javon Pinkston and, like, maybe Darren Hillard came back. And, and they played with us. So it was them three and then, like, two of our guys versus, like, Colin, um, Eric Dixon, who at the time was, like, a, like a freshman who was going to redshirt. Um, I think Slater was on that team. Sadiq may have, may have been on that team. And Colin Lilly, I, th- I don't think he missed a shot the whole entire day. He was going at Jalen the whole entire day. He ended the whole entire run with it. Like, he dunked he dunked over, like, two people. Like He dunked? And then, yeah. No, it was, wow. it was ridiculous. And then – he ended up winning the day like four one over Jalen Brunson's team. Like that's the that's the level that he was playing on that that uh, that day. And it, and if you know Jalen, Jalen's like the most competitive guy ever. So he wasn't talking to anyone after. And, and he was all pissed off. It, it, if he passed you the ball and you missed a shot, it was like the end of the world. So, um, you know, it's, it, it, those those were always fun in the summer at Villanova because they, they treat them like games. At Syracuse, you're kind of working on your stuff. You, like sometimes, like. 
you have to have like some other guys come in and play. Um, but it's always fun. Like I, I remember Elijah came back and played one time. Those were fun. Um, and then I I never got to play in this, but I know they always have great stories from when Bayheim's Army gets to play against the yeah. the Syracuse team every single year. So because mm-hmm. TBT wasn't a thing the year we were going there, right? It was, but th- there was all these like COVID restrictions, so we yeah, couldn't be in the yeah, gym yeah. at the same time as them. And that's the year that they actually won the TBT. Oh right, twenty one. Um, yeah, but those are the little tidbits you always get. Because any like real hoopers know playing pickup is like way different than actually just playing basketball. Oh, so different. Like you're way more free. The shot selection is way worse, but it's more fun. And the level of play in those type of runs is like so high that. Like you're saying, Gillespie, like, no one's saying he's better than Jalen Brunson. Jalen Brunson's <laughs> average of 25 a game for the Knicks, but, like, on any given day, when you're that talented, it's like he might get killed. And, like, Colin got hot, right? Like, you can have a, a day in open gym where you can get hot and you just keep going. You're not getting subbed out. You just keep, you just keep on, like, mm-hmm. no no coach is going to be like, or no, no other guy on the team, if you're hot, is going to be like, yo, that was a bad shot. Exactly. No, just, just keep going. Like, you don't have a Hall of Famer on the sideline that, that you need to think about while you're playing. Uh, yeah, I still say, like, playing pickup with you guys is, is when you really see the difference between, like, all right, this is why these kids play high major and I played Division Two. Like, But there's good <laughs> players in Division Two. There's good players uh, in yeah, Division Two. Yeah, and Division Three. And Division Three. <laughs> Below uh, 3% play from high school to uh, college, but. I remember guarding Joe, like, real early on when I got there, and I was like, I have no, like, you can do whatever you want right now. He was shooting from, like, half court. It was one of those days that Joe just, like, couldn't miss. Um, Yeah. Yeah, and he was, like, way quicker than I thought he was going to be. Handle was so, so tight, and I was just like, I don't know what to do here. Yeah, and it's funny. The fans are like, oh, you shouldn't be playing here. He only scored 1,700 points at Syracuse. Exactly. Whatever. Yeah, Yeah, it was, like, absolutely jaw-dropping. But all you guys had your days. You, buddy, Joe, Jimmy. Jim, myself. Jimbo. Yeah. Um, but that's actually a good transition, Josh Hart, because I, I wanted to uh, see if you've been watching the USA games. I haven't watched, like, each second of every game. But um, yeah. I guess the first story is Anthony Edwards. The other day that game was fucking insane. He just kind of, like, took it over and went, like, uh, I don't know. It was, it was shades of – remember when – I think it was 2010. I want to say it was 2010 when KD was on, like, the – I think this was the World Cup team. It was, like, him, young Steph, Iguodala was on that game team. It was kind of like this roster where yeah. it wasn't, like, the heavy hitters, not the guys you're sending to the Olympics. But it was, like, this young guy who they crowned, like, all right, this is going to boost you into being one of the best players in the league. The other day he was just, like, by far the best player on the court. It was pretty fun to watch. No, he's, he's been really impressive. And he he's, like – at that point where it's like, this is the time where he makes that big, that big step, that exactly. big leap. And I think that having this summer to kind of be able to play against high-level competition, guys that you won't see in the NBA, but it's just a different style of basketball. Like the the thought process that goes into the game. It's only forty minutes. Um, the the style, like stylistically, like you might not be playing against the talent level, but it's probably harder to score in in uh, FIBA mm-hmm. play than it is in, in NBA play. So I think th- this is just a, this is a great experience for all those guys. And shout out to Austin Reeves, man. That guy can fit in any organized basketball game, at, like, ever. He's 
He's killing it, man. Sh- the trajectory of his career, he's going to be a top five player in the league pretty soon. I mean, I going mean, into last year, it was like he's a solid role player. Like, this is exceeding expectations so much. He was on a two-way 12 months ago, and then yeah. by the All-Star break, it's like, ah, he probably has to play like 30 minutes a night. And then by the playoffs, like, we should run our offense through him a lot of possessions, and now it's like he's the second-best player on Team USA to this point. And the thing that makes Austin so special is that one night he could be the guy you go to. The next the next night he can be a spot up shooter in the corner. The night after that he can guard like the second like the first or second best player on the team. It, he's just so versatile and, and can do so many things on the court that he you know, he almost like can't have a bad game if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like he, he might have a bad game shooting, but he still affects the game by passing and, and, and rebounding and, and defending well. And then the games where he doesn't maybe defend and rebound as well, he's probably scoring 22 points. So it's like it's almost like he can't have a bad game. Right. How uh, how high on your list of guys to, that you would like to play with is Halliburton? Uh, he's he's got to be top five. I, you look at that team, and I think him and Austin are two of the fi- like five guys I'd want to play with most in the NBA. Mm-hmm. Like from my, from an IQ perspective, like – Buddy Heald is, a, is an unbelievable player. He's obviously been a great shooter ever, everywhere that he's been. But I, I bet if you ask him how much easier it is being a shooter with Tyrese Halliburton, he would probably say 10 times. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. like he, he doesn't even sweat and he has five attempts off in the first, in the first quarter. Yeah. It's so it, – Halliburton plays in, like, slow motion. I don't really understand. Like, he, he looks like – he's one of those guys, like, the cliche that it looks like he knows what – is going to happen before it actually does. Like, people say that about Larry Bird. It's like he sees the game before the game happens. Yeah. That's, like, actually how Halliburton operates. He also, it's very impressive to me how good he is off the ball. Because a guy like yeah. that, you'd be like, oh, he needs the ball all the time in order to succeed. But you kind of throw him in any lineup, too, and he's going to be super effective. So, so quick little story here. So, there was a big debate in 2018 when Tyler Hero didn't win the Wisconsin Gatorade Player of the Year. He was clearly the best player in the state. Um, obviously turned out to be a great player at Kentucky, one and done, but he was the best player in the state that year. So there was a, there was a kid who didn't have that many offers going into his senior year, had, had a good senior year, but kind of blew up late and ended up going to Iowa State. Um, that player ended up being Tyrese Halliburton, who won the Gatorade Player, over, player of the Year over uh, Tyler at that point. Tyler ends up going being one and done, goes to the NBA. Halliburton ends up having like a good good freshman year, like, really good sophomore year goes to the NBA. If someone were to say, like, at that time to Tyler, hey, like, Tyrese Halliburton wins, but he's going to end up being, like, a $200 million, $250 million mm-hmm. player in the NBA. Yeah, 260 like, th- Yeah. Th- those those people in Wisconsin are like, oh, we were right. Like, how crazy is that that you have? Validated? Valid, no, not even validated, but, like, like, no one looks at you crazy now when you look at the trajectory. Where Ty- when Tyler Hero is, like, a top – like fifty NBA player now. He's a hundred hundred and thirty million dollar player. Like that's it's ridiculous to to think about that. When Halliburton at that time like wasn't a high level recruit, wasn't a five star player, wasn't like like Tyler was in Jordan Brand, he was in Team USA, he was in all the all the camps, everything. I think it's just crazy to think look back because the reason why they did it is because Tyler decommitted from Wisconsin. Like so they were pissed at him for that, so they didn't get him Gatorade Player of the Year. I remember that. Yeah, they wanted his head. How long was he committed to Wisconsin? So he committed like maybe like sophomore year to Wisconsin. Yeah. He committed like right after uh, his AAU season was junior year. Uh-huh. But he, he committed early to Wisconsin. 
Yeah, I can't see like Wisconsin having him on their team. He almost has. He just almost has like too much swag for Wisconsin. That's what, you know I, what mean. I mean. Yeah. Like the way he wears his uniform and plays and walks into games and everything, he would not have fit in at Wisconsin. But uh, yeah, how about the talent out of Wisconsin? Halliburton and Hero in the same class is nuts. Well, even like a guy like Alondis Williams, who's who was the AC player. Is he of the from, year. He's from Wisconsin? He's from Milwaukee. Oh wow! Like they've had a lot of talent in these past couple. Jalen Johnson's from Milwaukee. Patrick Baldwin's from Milwaukee. Like they've had a good amount of talent yeah. these past couple of years. Yeah, shout out Wisconsin. Uh, Going back to Team USA, though, it kind of sucks that these games are on at, like, 4 a.m., aren't they? Yeah, some, some games have been at weird times. I've watched, like, all the reruns, though. Like, they're always, like, yeah. on because August is definitely the worst time of the year for TV. Right. Not the worst time of the year for pods, though. Oh, no, we're making it work in August, man. We're, we're working in August. NBA TV, they used to do way more, uh, like, hardwood classics at this time of the year, slash, like, bio- or documentaries and stuff. I feel like they don't do that as much anymore. Yeah, I, I don't know what's going on. I don't know what's going on, but... They, There's uh, also way more material now. Like, just run, like, the 2012 finals or something. Well, you also, like, I mean? when it comes to, when it comes to like, this, 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 these podcast spaces, like, for example, like, Steph Curry goes on to Gilbert Arena's podcast and says he's the, he's the greatest point guard of all time. Now, all these talk shows and all these NBA shows, like, that's all they talk about for, like, two or three straight weeks. Where before, like, that wasn't happening. So... Right. So so now it's like there's there's constantly content to talk about. There's constantly new things to, to talk about, even in the off season for NBA players, like like James Harden going on and and, and saying to yeah. like <laughs> I will not play for Daryl Moore. Now that that provides two or three weeks of of content where twenty years ago you yeah. couldn't do that because there would be no video. I mean, there might be a video, but it wouldn't be that easily accessed. Yeah, I guess that's also true. I just don't fire up NBA TV as much anymore. I'm like that with like ESPN too. Like, there's really no reason to watch Sports Center. In August, there's yeah, there's no reason to watch Sports Center in August. Yeah, I mean they're just shoving NFL down your throat. I'm a, I'm a big uh, Scott Van Pelt at night guy after after a game. Well, you'll be happy to know that uh, Scott Van Pelt has a place in Bethany Beach, Delaware. My family has seen him like multiple times. No, he, he, he's a great dude, too. I actually met him when I was, like, maybe, like, 10 or 11 years old. And uh, really? he, he was he, Yeah, he was a great dude. See, uh, sometimes I say stuff like that to you or, like, Buddy or Jimmy, and, like, I think I'm cool for saying it, and then I re- remember, like, you guys are in the NBA. <laughs> <laughs> Slash you played at Syracuse, so it's not as cool. Like, if I said that to one of my boys in Scranton, it's like, oh, no way, you saw Scott Van Pelt, and you're like, I mean – I was at the gym with Pat Riley this morning, so we'll move on. Not as interesting. But uh, you did get ahead of our next couple topics because we did want to do some NBA talk. This is our favorite content to do. Um, I don't know what you want to start with. Do you want to start with the Magic versus Steph thing? Or do you want to start with the Harden thing? Up to you. No, let's go ahead. Steph and Magic. Steph and Magic, what's your take? It's so tough for me because I never got to see like Magic and Michael Jordan and Larry Bird play live, right? Um, when it goes from like a pure point guard perspective, I feel like it's about like what you value as a point guard, right? If mm-hmm. if what you value as a point guard is is a guy who's getting everybody involved, the IQ for the game, um, his ability to make other players around him better, like, and I think that can be broken up into different categories, right? Like Steph can make his teammates better by just providing space on the court. 
right? Mm-hmm. He can bro- he can make his teammates better by making a guy like Draymond very very effective in the game and getting him paid multiple multiple contracts. Um, right. But Magic Johnson could do it in a totally different way where he is assisting all these guys, right? He's making a Byron Scott, uh, like all those guys on on the team. I'm, I'm drawing a blank on just like that whole entire like Lakers team, yeah. but worthy um, Michael Cooper. Yeah, Kurt worthy Rambis, Michael Cooper, of Kurt. Ram- yeah, of course, Kurt Rambis. <laughs> Shout out Kurt Rambis. Obviously, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar was the best player in the NBA at that time for what 10, 15 years, um, and that, that, that's 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 something that like. It's hard to quantify, right? Because the, the the point guard position is totally different than it back then than it is now. So, um, from 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 my taste, I'm a Steph Curry guy just because of I think his elusiveness on the court. He revolutionized the game. Like he he made the game totally different today uh, than what it was back in the day. Um, and I think he had, probably has the tightest handle of all time. He's the greatest shooter of all time. And he's, I think he's an underrated passer as well. Is he the passer that yeah. Magic Johnson Magic Johnson is or was? No, he's not. But you, you can't take away his scoring ability, his, his shooting ability, and his ability to make players better just from a pure spacing perspective. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's it's a tough argument because like, a lot of times you could be like, well, it depends on what your team needs if you're inserting them into an actual lineup. But both those guys, like you're saying, like you kind of insert them in any lineup. But I think... I think I would disagree with you just to make it more interesting. I think right now, if you're going from like an all-time perspective, who are you going to rank yeah. higher? I yeah. feel like you still got to go with Magic. Mm-hmm. I could see Steph passing him within the next like four years because I think he probably does still have a couple more years of his prime. But um, I don't know. I mean, Magic was just like basically like a guaranteed finals, wasn't he? For like all of the 80s. Not that Steph isn't. I mean, Steph only went to five straight finals and – what won four championships in eight years? Yeah, I guess I don't know. It's a tough argument. No, it I is. Was and, to, and, I was, I was, I thought you were going to say magic, so I had all my Steph points ready. But then to make it more interesting, now I'm saying magic. No, and and I think the magic debate is very is, is a good one because I I think it provides because when you look at magic, right? He had to play against Bird. He, he went to the finals every single year. Mm-hmm. He. he 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 made so many of his guys around him better. I think he has more assists. He has more rebounds. He like he pretty much invented the triple double. And I, I think like <laughs> Michael Michael Jordan. I don't know if you saw this on ESPN this morning, but Michael Jordan texted Stephen A. Smith. Do you think that's and, true? Do you think he actually texted him? I mean, it sounded like a Michael Jordan like text. Yeah. And I think uh, the I'm funniest just saying, all the replies on Twitter were just saying like cap, like really this is the face you make when someone's lying, all that stuff. So, I don't know. I, I think Stephen A. I was like, I feel like this might be a lie, but it was it was a long text to make up. Yeah, exactly. I think Stephen A. is a guy who's like actually closer to these people than like we actually like think. Yeah. Um, but I think the funniest thing about it was that like Magic Johnson has five championships, Steph Curry has four. Yeah. So like, like that's how you know he he knows he thinks he's the greatest player of all time because of the the championship debate. So, oh, that's a good spin on it. I didn't even think of that. Oh, you didn't you didn't think about that. Oh, no, I, I didn't think I'm of that. I'm a LeBron that, guy, so I'm, LeBron. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm always thinking about that stuff. He was 100% thinking that way. That's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, I don't know. It's a tough question. That's, that's Hence the August debate. But I'm going to say uh, magic. I also just 
Magic's highlights are just like so entertaining to watch. Not that Steph's aren't, but uh, he played what seventeen years or whatever it is, fifteen years at a very high level. I don't know what the yeah. exact stats are. I don't have it up. I'm trying to look it up on Basketball Reference right now. Not one time did he dribble with his left hand either, which makes it more <laughs> impressive. <laughs> Watching those old games are crazy. I I, uh, I got into a it's so, so I, different. I, I went to uh, I went to, to see my my trainer from Houston this weekend, Tim Glover, and uh, we obviously had a great weekend with him. We got to work out with him. Uh, went to Top Golf. Great weekend overall. Um, but we got into like a, a shouting match. Me, him, and and uh, another one of his friends and people that that we both know. Uh, we got into like a shouting match about. Compare, comparing the game from back in like the eighties <laughs> really? to now, oh, it was it was. Wait, what, what were the points being made? I could play the role of uh, old head here if you want me to. I was just saying, like guys back in the day can't play today. Like the skill level, the speed, the athleticism, like, and, and for me, look, looking with Tim, it's like Tim's a Tim's a trainer. Like Tim preaches skill development, right? Like, right. Like the skill level of these players is, is ridiculous nowadays, right? And uh, they're like, oh, like soft, like the new generation is soft, like yeah, like the rule classic, changes. like, like you know what I mean, mm-hmm. like I don't know, it's just like they were just compared, like it, it's just funny to talk talk to. The, I was like, all right, put on some games, like I want, like I want to see this with my own eyes. So we started putting on like 1987 finals games, right, just to like uh-huh. just to compare and contrast. <laughs> and like guys, That's guys are starting the offense at, at, at the free throw line, like. Guys are walking the ball up the court, and I don't know. It's just like there's guys like I didn't realize how good Hakeem Olajuwon, like how good he was. Oh. Like he, 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 he was obviously like I knew he's one of the greatest players of all time, but when it comes to his footwork and like he actually could shoot the basketball, I didn't know he could shoot mid range jump shots. Mm-hmm. So like you actually, I could see him being able to shoot threes. Like he, might, he's probably a Joel Embiid like today, but I, I'm thinking about it like if. If the Warriors played against the the '87 Lakers, like it's it's a blowout in my yeah. mind. It's just like so. an evolution in philosophy. I mean, coaching yeah. back then was so much different, and just because there was less basketball to base off of, it was just way worse. Like there's no there's no point in shooting. Like like if you watch an old game, like the Celtics, like you're saying, the amount of Danny Ainge spot up sixteen footers that you're seeing, it's like just move oh, behind the three point line, dude. It's so like ugly. The other thing is that's one of the bigger myths ever is like uh defensive back then were so much tougher. It was just so much easier to guard offenses back then. You oh. didn't have to worry about going seventeen feet or out. Like everything was so packed in so it was like way easier to guard people. Patty, watch a nineteen eighty seven game. And watch the amount of times I run the flex offense. It's hilarious. It's so funny. But that was, like, revolutionary stuff, which I don't understand why, like, basketball players are just the most. Like, I went to uh, the Penn Camp last week. I brought yeah. my brother Kellen to the Penn Camp. Nice. There's freshmen in high school, like, doing moves that weren't invented when we were freshmen in high school. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, sidesteps, all that bullshit. Like, they're all just working on it every single day. Because the game has just evolved to this point, because there's 60 years of basketball rather than 25. It's so funny. So when I was when I was growing up, I worked out with Mr. Heron, Chris Heron, all the time, right? Like so that was like my trainer, or whatever. Mm-hmm. And he gave me two moves just to just to work on the in and out. It, well, 
three moves in and out, in and out, cross, and then a hezzy. Like no one could stop that because no no one knew, like knew what knew what yeah. was going on. Like I was actually gonna say his his highlights are kind of like modern. Oh, he he was unbelievable. He he, he would play in the NBA today. He he would be a he yeah. would be a Peyton Pritchard today. Like he's right. he was that he was super athletic, athletic, that yeah. shifty. Oh, he was he was and he was a killer too. He wanted to to rip your throat out <laughs> in like transition. It's oh. crazy. Yeah, the Fresno State highlights are crazy. Um, spe- speaking of how the NBA is different today, t- Patty, what, what, what's your? I, I don't, I don't know how to how to approach this, but like being a Philly fan, right? Like with the whole James Harden situation, yeah. like, and, but you're also like a very modern thinker as well, like with the player empowerment stuff, right? Like, like how oh, yeah. do you? I like that how, description, modern thinker. How do you c- cipher between the two in this situation? See, usually I'm. I feel like I'm pro player, especially when oh, I'm behind I'm the mic. Yeah, yeah. but uh, I don't know. I feel like Harden's handling this pretty pretty poorly. I just didn't understand the point of that clip. Like, first of all, why? Like, what was said in that crowd that that prompted that response? The best part of the video is the people just like clapping awkwardly. They're like, <laughs> oh yeah, they're like, I have no idea how to respond to this, but. It was kind of just like a weird, bizarre move. So I, it leads me to believe there's a bunch of uh, behind the shake or behind the scene like handshake deals that went on yeah. that he was like led to believe. Okay, if I do this, then this is gonna happen. But um, usually, I hate when people are like, I mean, I'm just basing this off the damn thing. Like, oh, the Blazers don't owe damn anything. I actually do think in this scenario, Daryl Morey and the Sixers don't really owe Harden much because um, it sounds like a pretty simple fix but like just don't opt in if you don't want to play for them yeah I mean I I, I don't know I, I, I just don't know what was said behind the scenes because I do know like being in being in this seat now like there's a lot of things that are said behind the scenes that that don't, don't make true, it out. right uh-huh. like I know the end of the year meetings for a lot of players they feel they feel great coming out of those end of the year meetings and then once Jan, when once July 1st hit like the tone's totally different in the way these teams are talking. So there was probably some inklings that Harden knew that he wasn't going to get more money than that if he were to opt out. And I think the best thing for him was opting in and then also giving Daryl Morey a player to, to trade and make the Sixers better as well rather than just losing that asset. So I don't know. I think I hope that the situation is going to be able to be resolved. I think Harden still fits the team. I think the Sixers still have a team that, that can contend. Um, well, yeah, that'll be the awkward thing to see because, like, for so long, he waited longer than anyone else would have for the Simmons thing. And say what you want about like Harden right now, he's the getting him in return for Ben Simmons at this point is like an absolute fleecing, as the kids say. But it'll be weird because, like, that was the other thing that was very confusing because Maury has been more loyal to Harden than any GM has been to any player, maybe in the history of the NBA. Like he's done, he's basically based his career off of James Harden, and it's been like a mutually beneficial relationship because Harden was so good in Houston for all those years. But I don't think people would like a lot of GMs as you're seeing right now. There's not much of a market for him. I feel like Maury is probably still trying to do good by Harden. So I don't know. The entire situation was very uh, confusing. But um, I know. 
Yeah, it's 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 the best reality TV show on television. Just like I don't know, just story after story every week. I know you got to run here quick, but last thing I had here on the agenda is uh, th- you're talking about uh, before the different forms of media, different forms of content. There's a lot of uh, talk about the rise of the NBA players' pods. Like you said, uh, Steph said he was the best point guard of all time on Gil- Gilbert Arenas' pod. There's a lot of rankings recently of the best player pods. Uh, we're working our way up. I think we are number six on Complex's list, but they only did five. We're uh, working. We're I, working. Know, I was just curious. What, what's your favorite player pod right now? I mean, I, I'm a. You lo- seem to be way more locked in on them than I am, truthfully. Yeah, I mean, he, he's not a current player, but I was a big JJ Redick podcast guy. I think I think Patty and I started bonding over the JJ Redick podcast at one. Yeah, time. I was gonna say that might have been the first conversation we may have ever had. Yeah, I think you were listening to the to the pod in your giant Ford Explorer, and yep. I was like, Redick pod. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I, honestly, I love Paul George's podcast. I think he's done a great job with that. I, I think. Um, you get to like see a, just a different side of these players when they have their own platform and and own and they have their own like way to speak out on things and, and you really get their true opinions, which is nice. Um, mm-hmm. Because you look you look at Paul George like oh like, he doesn't really care that much about this certain topic and then he comes out and talks about it and you're like wow like this guy actually puts a lot of thought into everything that he does. Yeah. Um, I think Jeff Teague has a hilarious podcast. I think like he he has such a good balance of like telling the truth while also like making it funny at the same time, which is which is great. Yeah. And uh, I I like the Trey Young podcast too. I think he's done a good job with it, and I think his last episode with Lonzo was definitely his best one. So we, we know we know Lonzo his podcast very good. I listen to that. We we know his podcast. You get better as time goes on. So I, I don't really like to judge people until probably about like six months to a year in. Right, yeah, episode 43 is when we start judging them. But uh, PG's pod is, I've been pleasantly surprised with that. I think that's way better than I kind of expected. The other thing is, like, like the Clay interview is great because he was actually someone who was just sitting down acting like how he normally would off camera. My answer is number one easily, Jeff Teague. But I don't know, that's not even like a player pod. It's just like him just sitting down telling hilarious stories and being yeah. real self-deprecating. It's so funny. Like I watched an interview with him and Gary Harris, and he was like, "Would you rather win a championship or get a max contract?" And like, you could just tell, like, he, like when he asked that question, he's like, "Oh, I want a max contract. I want a max contract." <laughs> yeah, easily. Yeah, I want a max contract. The way he delivers stuff is so funny. Yeah. Um, the last thing I'll say on the topic, though, is the more player pods that happen, the more people are going to be like speaking out actually truthfully and acting like themselves. Like, I think in the last year you've seen more clips and more, like, personality from everyone that's on these player pods just because, like, it's so normalized now that it's 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 becoming a thing. So, um, oh. although there are competitors, I'd say any player thinking about starting a pod, it's kind of like uh, rising tide, lo- something all ships, whatever that saying is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, just pretend that I said that right. Yep. That's, that's kind of the situation, so... Uh, from us to you, start a pot if you want to. It won't be as good as ours, but we invite you to start because it'll help the market. Uh, definitely. Yeah, no, I, I think it's just a great platform, a great thing. I mean, like I said all the time, like NBA players, you work out for four, four to six hours a day. Your other ten hours, like you don't have a lot of things to do. So I think it's, I think it's a good place to go and talk about basketball, talk, talk with your friends, and 
Um, talk about your, just your counterparts throughout the NBA and just hear about their experiences. And that is why we are excited to uh, continue growing the pod. We'll have some guests on soon. Um, I mean, it's a tough time of year for, like we're saying, with Sports Center. With sports, it's a tough time of year. So we got some in the back pocket yep. coming down the pike. But uh, I think we're ready to sign off. Swatty, so you got anything else for the for our audience? I think you're good. I appreciate you guys listening to us uh, once again this week. N- another great episode of the Sweater Show. And uh, I'll kick it over to Patty now for uh, the ending of the episode, which, which she always does a great job on. So um, thank you guys for listening, and we'll, we'll get back to you guys next week. Go Irish. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. What's up, everybody? Thank you guys for tuning in. We really hope you enjoyed this week's show. To find out who will be joining us next week, make sure you're following us on all social media platforms, at Swider Show on Instagram, at Swider Show on Twitter, and at Swider Show on TikTok. We also recently developed our very own YouTube page, www.youtube.com slash at Swider Show, and subscribe. You can send in a mailbag question to be featured on the show, Show at gmail.com and of course if you haven't already make sure to turn on those notifications so you never miss an episode week to week Cole Swider Show with Patty Casey is presented by Blue Wire Podcast and our executive producer is Adam Lewis Swider Show is created by Cole Swider Patty Casey and producer Adam Lewis all rights reserved thank you guys we'll see you next week